Good morning, church family. Thank you for joining us this amazing Sunday morning as we gather in the sanctuary today. I would like for you to turn your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, but I want to invite you, church family, and all our friends to pray with me as we pray for our nation. Father, we thank you that as we look out into the things of the world, at times we see things that maybe we don't even understand or it frustrates us or it concerns us. But we come before our God that is control of everything. We trust you. We come against evil in Jesus' name. Evil has no place in the United States of America. And we proclaim in Jesus' name victory over all things, and that, Father, your will will come to pass in our nation and in our world. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I asked you to turn to First Chronicles chapter 4. We're going to continue in the series called Living a Kingdom Lifestyle, And today we want to talk about the prayer of Jabez. But as you're turning there, the prayer of Jabez is not a magic formula. The prayer of Jabez is so important that we study and understand the principles that is stated in his prayer. But I want you to understand there is not a magic formula. It is us living a kingdom lifestyle going into that secret place with God and really hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and knowing what He is saying and what He is doing in our world and in our personal lives. The prayer of Jabez is a truth God wants to remind us, or basically, I believe in 2021, God wants to reinstate prayer in the church. Not that we didn't pray, but God wants to reinstate prayer in our church and for us to focus on that. And that's why I believe in living a kingdom lifestyle that we need to recognize what God is asking us to do in this season and in this year. It is our lifestyle prayer. Some of you have asked God to bless you, and you know what? He did. And you're enjoying the blessings of the Lord. And you are absolutely moving into a realm that uh, is a realm of blessing. But there's more in the passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And I want to just have fun with you this morning. And I want to play with these scriptures here for a moment. And just to get you on the same platform that I'm speaking from the same thought process, because if you hear what I'm about to tell you and really understand where we're going with it, you're going to see a transformation, because some of you that are listening right now and watching me right now are really concerned, really afraid, and fear is wanting to climb all over you, but you're a person of faith, and you're wondering why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Well, we're going to end this prayer recognize something that is such a truth 
that will set us free. And by the end of this sermon, by the end of this teaching, you're going to be jumping up and down knowing, I know my next step. I know where I'm going. And my lifestyle is going to follow what pastor has just taught. So we're not going to go to verse 9 and 10 of First Chronicles chapter 4, because there are words around it, there are scriptures around it that I want you to see what is said. In First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 1, it says, The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobel. And Reah, the son of Shobel, begot Jahath, and Jahath begot Ahumai and Lahad. These were the families of the Zorathites. Now, hold your excitement. I know those were exciting scriptures. Look at verse 3. These were the sons of the father of Edom, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbesh. And the name of their sister was Hazel El Pony. Now, I didn't know that Hazel had a pony. Verse 4. And Penuel was the father of Gedor, and Ezer was the father of Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, the father of Bethlehem. Really? Now, these verses have a tendency with all of us to be kind of boring. But I want you to see the focus of what is being written here. Verse 5. And Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Naera. I didn't know that either. Verse 6, Naera bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, well, that's a good name for a person, Hefer, Temeni, and Hoashatari. These were the sons of Naera. Verse 7, the sons of Hela were Zereth, Zohar, and Ethnan, and Kaz begot Anub, Zobadah, and the families of Aharhel, the son of Haram. Now, wasn't that exciting? Wasn't that wonderful? Didn't you learn so much from those verses? Well, we're not going to go to verse 9 yet. Verse 11. Chileb, the brother of Shuha, begot Mehar, who was the father of Eshton, and Eshton begat Bethrepha, Paseah, and Tehina, the father of Ur, Nahash. These were the men of Rekah. Now, the reason I, I did that is because I want you to know that those verses talking about the names of the begats keeps going. So how many of you, let me question you, how many of you when you're going through the Bible through the year with, with us, get to these places and you kind of skip down, you kind of go quickly or you turn a page that you just act like, oh, I forgot and you didn't read it because it's just, it's crazy the amount of names. Matter of fact, let me just show you the, the background of the begats here. First Chronicle chapter four is a genealogy of the tribe of Judah. Now, this genealogy that we're reading began in 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1, and it started with Adam. Remember Adam and Eve? It started with Adam. The genealogy goes through chapter 9. So chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through chapter 9. So it was nine chapters, 
and 500 names were named. It starts with Adam and goes through David's grandchildren. Now, let me show you this. Adam was created in 4000 BC. Noah was born 2500 BC. That's 1500 years, 1500 years. That's Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 6 is 1500 years. Abraham was at 2000 BC. Moses was about 1500 BC. David was about 1000 BC. So what I'm showing you is this genealogy covers around 3,000 years. So, nine chapters and 3,000 years, and in the middle, this is the answer to so, in the middle, verse 9 of chapter 4 is stated. So, Ezra, who wrote Chronicles, takes the first nine chapters to talk about the begats and 3,000 years and names 500 names. And now verse 9 and 10 is there, the prayer of Jabez. Now Jabez, verse 9, was more honorable than his brothers. Now, he didn't say they weren't honorable. He said that Jabez was more honorable. So Ezra stops here And in the middle of the genealogy, he says, now here is one person worth stopping for. Here's one person I want to talk about and to teach you something that I want you to hear. And he talks about Jabez's prayer, that he's more honorable than all. Now, he says he's more honorable than all, but he has has stated Isaac, Jacob, Solomon, David, all the big shots, all the biggies. Remember that last time? Jabez is the only one Ezra stops and talks about. Why is that? Also, these are the only two verses in the Bible that talks about Jabez. Now, there is one verse that you find that mentions the city of Jabez, A lot of theologians, I agree with them, uh, believe that Jabez, the city of Jabez, was named after Jabez because he was such a godly great man that Ezra brought him up. So let's read now, go back to verse 9, and let's begin to see Jabez's prayer. Now Jabez was more honorable then his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, Ezra is naming 500 names, which he believes, God believes, and us too, that names are important. And he points out that Jabez's mother names him this name, and it means pain. Because in the childbirth of Jabez, it caused great pain for his mom. Now, I read that and I'm thinking, well, every woman goes through pain in childbirth. So there must have been some intense, overreaching, huge pain that the mother felt that she would actually name her son 
pain. Now, the word Jabez, again, means pain, and the root of the word Jabez means sorrow. Now, it doesn't explain the sorrow that the mother had or the sorrow that took place in the mom. That's why she named him Sorrow, Pain, Jabez. But let's, let's read on and let's see the prayer now that Jabez prays and what Ezra, who's concerned about names, mentions about how the mother went through great pain and sorrow, names him Jabez, and then Jabez prays this prayer. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. You see that? That I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Ezra said, the end of verse 10, so God granted him what he requested. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's my statement. Your name is your destiny. Jabez's mother gave him the destiny of sorrow and pain. Did you know there's another story in the Bible? When Rachel bore Benjamin, she named him son of my sorrow. And his father changed his name to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Names are vital. Your destiny to God is vital. That's why names are so important. So what I am telling you is after 2020 or your past, God can change your destiny God is simply waiting for you to ask and live a kingdom lifestyle. God will change your destiny, just like Benjamin's father changed his name. Just like Jabez prayed that I would not cause pain that my mother injected into my destiny. So again, let's look at this prayer. And I'm going to give you five points of the prayer. Most books that most people, the greatest books that have been written on this prayer only have four, but I want to give you five. The first point is he prays, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Jabez is asking God to bless him because he knows who God is. God is a God of blessing. Some of us believe that God wants to bless us. But you know, we never ask him. We believe maybe he will bless us. Or we don't ask him because I feel guilty asking for more. Or we don't feel worthy enough to be blessed because we know what our past was. Some don't ask. It's kind of like a catch-22 in the Christian field. Satan tells you, don't ask God to bless you because that's a selfish prayer. And I want to tell you, no, it's not. It blesses God for you to ask. James 4, 2 says this, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. 
You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. We must in this new year, especially with all that took place in 2020, get out of the emotion that says it's wrong to ask God to bless you. Later on, I'm going to show you it is very unselfish to ask God of his promises. Satan will give you a million reasons not to live out your destiny. He'll tell you you're not worth it. You don't pray and read your Bible enough. He'll tell you you still have this terrible sin in your life, and some of you may, may have that. We're going to talk about this next week, about how God wants to forgive and to forget. You can't ask till you become perfect, Satan tells us. Or if you ask, you're a selfish person. I'm going to change your mind if you think that way. It is God's will and his desire to bless you. He is simply waiting for you to ask, and he has chosen prayer to be one of the main vehicles to do so. And prayer to travel in. Your lifestyle, every area of your life should be bathed in prayer. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Speaking of salvation. But understand, in every area of your spiritual walk, is God is saying, ask me, ask me. Over and over in the Word, God tries to get us to ask. It says, after you ask, then seek. Then after you seek, then knock. Pride keeps us from asking, and asking in prayer is opposite of pride. See, when you are in the depth of prayer, and you are in your prayer room, you are in your car sitting at a light and you're praying in tongues and you're, you're asking God of things to help you at work, to help you with your children, to help you with your parents. How, whatever you are doing in your prayer, I want you to understand that God is pleased when you ask. Speaking of that, I've studied everything you could study to understand what does it mean to be blessed of God. Let me tell you the definition of being blessed. To be set apart for success, happiness, and prosperity. It is a divine enabling by God himself to do that. In your finances, your marriage, if you're a homeschooling mom, if you're a teacher, whatever you do in life, God wants to help you to succeed and to walk in the prosperity that he has promised you. Jabez asked that you would bless me indeed. The word indeed means a whole bunch. How many of you want to be blessed a whole bunch? I do. I want God's blessings, because if I know it's God's blessing, he's also going to give me insight and direction how to use it for the kingdom. I want to be a kingdom lifestyle person, living for the kingdom of God and giving 
in every area of my life. Let's look at the second part of Jabez's prayer. He asked God to enlarge my territory. So the question is, what is your territory? The answer to that is everywhere you go and everything you do, where you live, where you work, where you serve in church. So what you are saying is, I want to be the best person in my territory I can be. What you are asking, what I just said earlier, for is divine direction to be the best in where you're at. Just be the best for God. But how you're the best is that you allow the Holy Spirit, God himself, Jesus, to enlarge your territory so that wherever you go, you are thinking kingdom. You are thinking salvation. You are thinking healing. You are thinking the power and the anointing of God. We need the divine enabling with our family. We need that for our neighbors. Let me just give you an example. If you go to the grocery store and the cashier says to you, can you pray for me? Let me tell you, your territory has just been enlarged. God has placed that person in your life and enlarged your territory to preach the kingdom. Here's the third part of prayer. He asks that your hand would be with me. Let's just pause a second and slow down so that you hear what that means, that God's hand would be with Jabez. This is the dependence part of the prayer. If you ask God to bless you and enlarge your territory, he will do it. My thought, God's hand needs to be on you when you are living it out. Greater anointing. A greater anointing to handle all God is doing through you. So Jabez's prayer, the first is divine enabling. The second is divine direction. The third here is divine anointing and power. That's what that is. The hand of God is anointing and power. Acts 11.21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. You see that? The kingdom enlarged because you allowed God to enlarge you through his power and the spirit working through you. The New Testament church, that's who we are. You know, a basketball in my hand is worth about $40. A basketball in Kobe Bryant's hand was worth about $40 million. So it all depends whose hands it is in. If you allow what Jabez was praying, if you allow God's hand to be upon everything that you do, it's going to be worth like we see with Kobe with a basketball. Your worth is so much more when God's hand is upon you. Let's look at the fourth part of the prayer. And that you would keep me from evil. See, Jabez, this was a brilliant strategy for maintaining blessing. Why? Because blessing is also a temptation. You've seen that. People fall. They go to church. They're spiritual. They pray. They're there all the time. And all of a sudden, God blesses them, and they don't know how to handle their blessing. And before you know it, they're not even in church anymore. 
They don't like church. They're angry at God. Why? Because they've left the power of God and they've allowed evil to manifest in the blessing. You don't really get tempted until you have something to be tempted with. When you receive the hand of God, power and anointing, temptation will arise. You saw that in Jesus' life while he was here. How many do you know have lost anointing and power because they didn't stay away from evil? Remember, he says, keep me from evil, not through evil. It amazes me how many times in, in, in church and in Christian uh, speak, I'll call it Christian speak or vocabulary, that we're always talking about going through evil. How about staying away from evil? How about just living that kingdom lifestyle, and when temptation comes, you rebuke it in Jesus' name, and you walk away from it and walk in the power of God? He says, help me not to be anywhere close to evil, Matthew 6, 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 1 Corinthians six eighteen says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. See, it doesn't say overcome it. It says flee or run, run from it. Run from youthful lust. Get away as far as possible from evil. That's the prayer. So when you get out from your prayer and you ask that, that your, your antenna, your spiritual antenna is making sure that you are not going through evil. You're not being tempted or falling into it. You run from it. You don't want to experience or be around or see evil. Stay away. So the conclusion is live a kingdom lifestyle being caught up with God. See, Jabez is literally saying, I am caught up with you. That's why Ezra stopped in the middle of 500 names, and said, watch this prayer. That's why I'm stopping, not talking about all the big shots. I'm talking about Jabez because this was Jabez's prayer. Not only that, this was Jabez's lifestyle. Hmm. Live that kingdom lifestyle. Well, let me give you the last point that's not really in any of the books writing on Jabez's prayer. The last one says that I might not cause pain. We all have a past. We all have been injured emotionally. In times of our lives, we have caused pain in others. Usually evil manifested. What you said, what you did, what you thought, which produced an offense or even unforgiveness. Satan and sin brings devastation in other lives because of actions that I take. If I am not focused like Jabez was, 
First Chronicles 4.10, let's read it again. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Then it says, So God granted him what he requested. Stay away from the evil so you won't cause pain. See, the very reason why the enemy wants us to go through evil is because most of the time when you go through evil, you're hurting somebody else. The kingdom of God is a very unselfish kingdom. When you live a kingdom lifestyle, you become a person that it's not about you anymore. You become a very unselfish person. You think about others. When it literally the blessing is coming on you, you're starting to think, now what can I do with that blessing to bless my wife, to bless my spouse, to bless my children, to bless my parents, to bless my friends? Because it's no longer about you. Your heart begins to to move into that realm. 2021 is all the stuff in 2020, all the news, everything is talking about you. It's going to fall on you. You're going to have a bad time. You're going to get sick. You're going to die. You're going to do this. And you know, some people did. Some people did get sick. Some people did die. But the reality is, is, and in that, it caused great pain. It was evil. This disease is evil. And I'm not going to go through it. I'm going to run from it in faith. Jabez began in his birth causing pain to his mother. But he changed. The rest of his life, he was known to be more honorable than all the other heroes in the Old Testament. Those 3,000 years that Ezra was talking about all these amazing people, spiritual people, prophets, and just people, moms and dads and children and cities and all this, he stopped in the middle of those 500 names and he proclaimed Jabez. And even though Jabez still had that name, he turned it around because God never plans pain and sorrow for your destiny. God always plans good things, greater things that you could ever ask or think. Just ask. And in in living this kingdom lifestyle, always think of who your God really is. He is a God that wants to bless you and overpower you with all who he is. I'm going to pray in a moment for you because I believe there's going to be a transition in all of our decision-making for 2021. Many of you that I know, you are just amazing. I think Ezra could talk about you because you've done such amazing stuff. But I want to tell you, the more we think living a kingdom lifestyle the more we're going to go from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from place to place, because God's got great plans, and his destiny is wonderful. In your destiny, live in your life, 
the prayer of Jabez, all five points, is for you also. So let's just say this. Ezra is writing about you. And so if you will grab a hold of this truth and walk in belief, even though your past has been tough, even though you've been angry, you've been unforgiving, you've, you've, you've held things against people, life can change when you give it to the Lord and just ask. So let's ask now. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. For Ezra, just led of the Holy Spirit to just stop in the middle and talk about Jabez. Only two verses about the man. But these two verses has transformed millions. Thank you, Father, that every one of us, wherever we're at in our walk with you, in our lifestyle living for the kingdom, Lord, things can change and our destiny is yea and amen and your plans are great for us. I just proclaim the blessings of the Lord over every person that is hearing my voice and watching the screen. In Jesus' name, your destiny is amazing. God bless you. Terry and I love you. And it's wonderful that we now are beginning our services 10 o'clock a.m. today. And every Sunday after that and soon we'll go to our multiple services and we will see God do what he has promised. God bless you. And remember, there's always someone here that loves you.